Alright folks, welcome back to this podcast. It's called One Man, One Tree in a Hill. It's a podcast about being alone with your own thoughts. We make a time capsule of the most unique people that we meet on the planet. We have a special guest all the way from Canada. She is an artist. She is an art teacher as well. She is everything that's best about this world. Give it up for Miss Rachel Karen Tayer. How are you, madam? I'm great. Thank you so much, Jared. And thank you for pronouncing my name right. Uh, a lot of people get it wrong. So what do people, how do people say it? Uh, some people say like carrots carrot? for some reason, or they'll like answer the, they'll answer the phone um, calling me and they'll say, oh, is this Miss Karen? Karen, last name Rachel. And I'm like, that makes, that makes zero sense. But okay. Never heard anyone's last name Rachel. Yeah, they thought my first name was Karen. Well, it sort of looks like Karen Tayer. It kind of looks like a, I was thinking more like a Southern name, but you're not from the United States. I was like, she must be from like Texas or something like that. So I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out where it came from. I was like, well, she's in Canada. Uh, no, I think so. My family's originally from Russia. Oh. The, yeah. Right now, they're <laughs> high there. Um, they're, they're from Russia and actually my, my roots are from Ukraine. So very interesting. Um, but yeah, they came here and I think the name was actually changed to make it shorter. So I have no idea what it was before, but, um, we have some theories that has some, uh, roots in corn picking or something of that sort. I'm not exactly sure. That's how a lot of people change their last name. Zach Galifianakis' last name, I think it's Zach Galifianakis Burger. It's like a really super long name, and he cut it to Galifianakis. I like that name, though. So Galifianakis, like it has like a nice ring to it. Maybe he was joking, but it did sound like he was real when he said Galifianakis Burger. I mean, it could be. Jewish last names can get pretty long. I think he's, is he Jew? Maybe he is. I think he's like, yes, 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 Galifianakis. Yes. So you're an artist, but before we get Mm -hmm. to how you became an artist, we're going to go back. Even before that, me and you met at Broadway Comedy Club. You were visiting New York City, and that's where our paths collided, right? And that's when you told me you're an artist, and I was like, oh, freak. Then I saw your website, and I was like, freak, she's so freaking talented. And I just love bumping into artists because I feel like we all see the world different. But my question is, how do we start seeing the world different? So let's go all the way back for the people who don't know you. Where were you born? Like, where did you come and say hi to this world? Where do you come out? Thank you. So um, you can ask my mother that question. You know, a lot is involved in that process that I wasn't a part of before I showed up. Um, I choose not to talk to my parents about that, though, because that's not something I like to hear about. Um, Where was I born? I was born in Toronto. I was raised in Canada. Yeah. Um, From a two-parent household, one-parent household? So I was luckily, you know, born to a two-parent household. Um, I have both the logical side of my dad and the more artistic side of my mom. My mom is actually also an artist. She does, she creates beautiful sculptures. My grandmother, her mother is an artist and 
she only started painting when she was around 70 and the paintings she's created are magnificent and she was an engineer her whole life um not her whole life before she immigrated here in russia she was an, an engineer so and then my dad uh he's also uh more of a, a logical person he's a, a software engineer so yeah do you know the story how they met how they met um i i think they met at a party it was just like a very simple story they met at a party and my mom's a very beautiful woman and uh i guess my dad saw her and was like okay i need to put a ring on her <laughs> that's it are you from a big family small family is there like a lot of you guys or are you the only child no it's small my brother um is yeah i only have one brother and then i have a couple cousins and yeah it's just us during covid it was um interesting because it made me you know more thankful for for uh everything that i have yeah and you know with the fact that i had like a, a place to go and you know a supportive family was really nice yeah it's a small small family strict or not strict where you did you have a strict like what's walk us through like toronto what's toronto like you know we just hear about it in songs we don't hear about it like <laughs> on lines well just listen to drake and then you'll find out you don't even have to talk to me about it we just think well when we listen to drake i was like he must be influenced by all the caribbeans that are out there <laughs> like. um toronto is like a smaller new york like a lot smaller new york that's how i see it honestly when i visited new york i was like okay this is a large toronto um but colder oh my gosh the amount of snow we got this winter was ridiculous but toronto's closer to michigan yeah but it's nothing compared to michigan at all i have never been to michigan <laughs> <laughs> what's exciting about michigan i want to know i don't know football uh detroit uh aretha franklin motown records a lot of the greatest artists come from Detroit musically. Uh, Barry Gordy, he started Motown Records there. That's awesome. I really like Aretha Frank Franklin, so. Queen of Soul. I mean, yeah, if you can feel the soul when you're there, just if I could feel her soul, that would be nice. I remember I was maybe eight, 19. This is when you could start downloading discographies, like when we all became like online pirates and taking people's discographies. I downloaded every song that she had, and I was like, wow. It was really unmagnificent how great her voice was and how it carried a whole lifetime of generations. You know what I mean? How she influenced so many people. Yeah, her voice was very beautiful. Do you have a favorite Aretha Franklin song? Um, honestly, no, I, I can't think of one specific one. It's hard for me to think of a specific favorite song. I can think of like artists I really like, but it's hard. Yeah. Um, let me see. Mine is say a little prayer for you. The moment I wake up before I put on my makeup, say a little prayer for you. She has a good documentary on Hulu. It's amazing. 
Have you ever yeah. saw that one? I haven't. I would. I would. I think I'm debating between. I say a little prayer and respect. Respect's like, like a fun pastime. I like um, that. Aretha, Miss Franklin. Okay, so we're in Canada, right? What is your early remembrance of school? Do you remember like going to school? Do you remember? Are you your older brother? Or is your brother older or younger than you? He's older. Yeah. So you're the little, how, how many, how many years apart are you guys? Four. So do you remember guys going to school together when you went first went to kindergarten? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, we went to school. <laughs> Sorry, that's my roommate. We went to school, uh, together only for a few years because of the age gap at a certain point. So I actually went to private school for a little bit. And then at a certain point, the, we ended up switching to public school because, you know, the, the main reason that it's, it's expensive. Um, so we ended up switching over and yeah, I didn't really see him much except from at home for at home at that point. But are you asking me how school was like? Like, what did I learn? Yeah, because, no, because like you get to create your own identity when there's like a large age gap between siblings. So when you went to school, you like had your own identity. So what was it like when you first went to school? Do you remember your teacher? Was she nice? Do you remember like your first remembrance of school? Like some people can't remember like their first day of school. I remember in grade one, I had a really sweet teacher. Um, it's sad that I don't remember her name, but she was very attentive, attentive to me. And I was the most daydreamy child ever. So it was nice to know that someone like actually cared because most of the time I'd be sitting in class, just like staring at her into space, you know, artists as they are. Um, but I do remember kindergarten very much because um, I actually, my first language was Russian. And uh, which is interesting because now my Russian is very broken. So my first language is Russian. I came to kindergarten and no one was understanding me and all of that. I came home like crying. And this is what my parents have told me. And that made them speak more English with me. And that made me speak more English. So right now I feel like that's a very imperative part of my upbringing because I just know a lot of multilingual uh, people my age and the most important thing to do is to kind of make your kids not speak the the language of the country at home and just speak the language that's you know their that's historically their language right. or else they'll just lose it you don't use it you lose it did you feel did you feel like do you, when you were going into school, do you remember that first friend you made? Because it probably had to be a lot because, you know, learning how to speak English, you know, who was that first friend that you made, that first person that you made? Do you remember that far? Yes, I actually love this question because the first friend that I made, um, her name is Nikki. And <laughs> what ended up happening is some girl, like, was really rude to me and she stood up to me. Nikki stood up, sorry, for me. And she was like six years old. And I was like, wow, this is a great friend to have. And since that, since then, I'm like, she's still my friend. And interestingly enough, like 
her mother has an animal sanctuary just up north. Um, it's called Promised Land Animal Sanctuary. And it was the most experience, like beautiful experience to go to go there. I met a donkey, his name was Hunter. Um, <laughs> and there were like a hundred other animals. Um, so I would suggest that if you ever come up to Toronto, which you should, uh, definitely visit that animal sanctuary. What was it like when you first get there? Like you just you go to your friend's house and you're like, you have an, all these animals? <laughs> no, so actually her mother, her name is a uh, cat, um, cat Krylov. And she has this, like she just decided to buy this piece of land. Um, and she decided to buy it at the perfect time. And since she was a kid, apparently she just wanted to have a sanctuary of animals. And she's been vegan for a while now. Uh, she was a graphic designer beforehand. She's worked many corporate jobs and, and she did freelance. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to open up an animal sanctuary. It's a nonprofit. And uh, you see how happy she is when you get there. There's this massive dog. It's a guard dog. Like you're a little scared when you see the dog at <laughs> first and then you're like, okay, it's just here to protect me. And then um, you'll meet a little goat named... Uh, baby goat named Nacho and, uh, you know, Hummer the donkey. And like, there are all these like cute names and like, it's a lot of work, but you see how much, how much love and compassion is put into it. Is it rare to have like an animal sanctuary in Toronto or are there farmers out there? Oh no, no. It's out of Toronto. Of course. Toronto's like the jungle. <laughs> Not really, but it's, uh, it's a city. It's really deep in the city, Toronto's. Um, I don't think there would be any farms there, but if you drive like 40 minutes up north, you'll find like apple farms, like uh, beef farms, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's not that unusual. Because I'm from the southern states, so the southern states, we're known, to, we're known for having farms and having like fields and stuff like that. I think I remember I was in maybe third grade and my brother had a friend we went to his dad's farm and that was the first time we ever got chased by like rams and the kid was just like don't worry they won't hurt you i was like this is a ram and it's like attacking us and everything else it's always fun when you get to have that experience of like people who have like animals at their house you know yeah yeah it's they can be vicious. <laughs> um, people are like, oh, they're so cute. But like maybe from some of them are cute from far away. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You made, a, you made a lifetime friend with someone sticking up for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know who is a good friend. And I knew she was a good friend since I was six. So you meet her. Who's the second friend you meet? Um, these are hard questions, Jared. You're really testing my memory here. <laughs> sometimes we don't remember how like we got to who we are now, you know, because sometimes these 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 characters in our life play an important role, you know, when we meet different people. Mm -hmm. So let me think. The second friend I met that well, your first friend is Nikki. Nikki's your first friend. Yeah. The second friend I met, I mean, I could say who has stayed my friend. No, don't do the stay friend. Just the, the second one you met. <laughs> um, 
Because we all change throughout time, you know? Uh, the second one I met, I wasn't really uh, that big of a fan. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to talk publicly about anybody that way. Um, yeah, it uh, taught me taught me what to look for in a, in a friend. <laughs> Um, okay. So you and Nikki, right? You and Nikki become friends. Do, do you feel like it's easier to go to school now since you have someone you're looking forward to seeing, right? That's so hard to tell you. I'm looking back. Six years old, Rachel. Um, I generally didn't really look forward to school anyways. Wow. The only thing I looked forward to would be seeing people because I don't think the system really works that well for me to just sit at a desk and listen to people talk. For some people it works, but I feel like at that point in my life, I just wanted to jump around or maybe do an activity and stuff like that. So it was easier, I guess. Yeah. Cause I had a good friend, but school was never my favorite thing to do until now. It's, it's more exciting. Were you smart? Do you think like was school like boring for you or were you just like very advanced? That's such a compliment. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could say I was advanced, but the, the private school was actually advanced schooling anyways. Like it was a year or two ahead. Um, I think I just had a different way of thinking. Some people might say today that I might've had ADD, but I think, um, I don't know if it's true. Like. I don't know how to look back and like <laughs> diagnose myself, but yeah. So what's that transition like going from private school to public school? Do your parents sit you down like this is what's happening or they're just like, hey, I'm going to make that yeah. switch. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're going to make this switch. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, was there maybe I a relief, you know, it wasn't as competitive? How did Nikki take the news when you let her know, hey, we won't be going to school together anymore I'm with the regular kids? So that's actually, it's funny that you say that because Nikki, she moved away. <laughs> so really? I was already like in school that's without her for a few years. Yeah. So what's it, what's it, what do you think the main difference is from a private school to public school? What grade did you leave? Because in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, you guys do a 13th year. I went to school with a lot of Canadians. So when we would graduate, they're like, all right, well, we'll see you later. Like, what? They had to stay for a 13th year. I thought you're from Florida. I am from Florida. I'm from Florida. I'm from the South. But my father was in the military. So I lived in the Netherlands. I lived in Tokyo. I lived in Korea. And when I went to school in the Netherlands, it was an international school. And all the international people for NATO, North Atlantic Tree, they're Canadians. Dutch, Germans, and we all went to school together. So all the Canadians that we went to school, they had to do a 13th year when they did that. And they drank beer and ate cold pizza all the time. Wow, that's weird. And they partied <laughs> really hard. But that's how the Europeans knew the Americans from the Canadians. And I asked them, like, how did you know? It's like, the Canadians pee on the streets. And I was like, yep, that's them. <laughs> um, I can't relate to that. I have never done so. <laughs> but but yeah all my, yeah, all my no. friends, they're from me they're from vancouver or toronto like one of my best friends my little brother he's like from toronto his name is jj and like they were like 
the first people we knew that were like literally like Mighty Ducks people. I was like, man, you guys could skate for real. They were skating on the ice. They could fight. And that's how I got really immersed with like Canadians because I went to school with a whole bunch. And they're all like swirly people. Yeah, we're we're a fun bunch, I think. Yeah. Party hard. Um, they were like the when we were in high school, they party the hardest out of everybody else. And we thought we party hard, but the Canadians, they would have we'd had like a country versus country like drinking competitions, and I don't think anyone out drank a Canadian. <laughs> that's crazy. I think they had two stomachs or something like that. No, maybe there weren't any like uh East Russians there. Oh, we did. We had every, anything you can think really? of, we had. It's yeah. interesting. So everyone that's a part of like the NATO countries, all these like chancellors, kids would come to school with us. So everybody, so that's how I was very versed in like different cultures because we all played football together. We all played soccer together and we all like really immersed ourselves in this culture. So that's why I'm curious about like from the private to the public, did you feel more freer to not it was like you adjusted to your learning pace because some artists they say they see in pictures or you could be a kinesthetic learner you see it through movement like how do you think mm. your learning style mesh with the public school that's very true i actually think i had more freedom in the public school uh first of all there were no uniforms which was amazing <laughs> so i mean aside from having to decide what to wear every day which apparently is like a woman's big dilemma um <laughs> I it wasn't yeah i could tell <laughs> it wasn't uh it wasn't that bad um when you're in high school at least when i went all you wore was like leggings and a sweater every day so it was pretty simple um yeah i had i had a great experience with art there because every time i could i would take an art class and it would advance me and we'd do these big projects and i would just feel i would feel great and like some of my best work is from grade 12, I think. And it was just really nice, you know, meeting people from all walks of life when I entered public school. And do you think your public school had more culture or like more kids from like different socioeconomic backgrounds? Was that more yeah. better? And well, like the private school, everybody was like from a same class of money? Yeah. Uh, no, not necessarily, because I know they did provide like subsidies oh. for some some students. Um, but there was definitely um, more of a diverse pool in public school. Mm -hmm. So who was that first friend you met at public school? What's that like? What grade did you leave public school, private school? Would you leave like fifth grade, sixth grade? Um, I left in grade seven. And so I only actually, yeah, I went to public school in grade eight. So right before high school. And I think my first friend was actually my friend, Julianne. Um, yeah, she's a lot of fun. I, she still messages me happy birthday to this day. Sweet. <laughs> not literally this day. It's not my birthday. Don't worry. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you um so yeah she she always sends me like a happy birthday she commissioned a few of my art pieces for her um sister house she has like forgive me forgive me if i'm wrong i think she has like a sister home i don't know what it's called when it's like a fraternity but for women uh, it's a sorority house <laughs> i know <laughs> i Red forgot the name for a second <laughs> it's been a day um yeah it's been quite a day 
yeah, so she has a sorority house and she wanted like all these separate like little paintings of each of the um of each of the sisters. And it was just really nice to make that. And I just remember it was during COVID. So we were all like, what's happening? And then the commission was like paused and I'm like, okay, well, you can come and pick it up. She came and picked it up, picked it up in like a mask, and I was in a mask, and I was like, it was this point where like we weren't sure what was going on. Um but all went well. Everybody loved the paintings. So, what's it like as a teenager? Or are your parents like were they strict on you to let you like go outside and like party a little bit? Or what type of teen were you? So I'm afraid my parents might end up listening to this. Let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they gave me like a good, good amount of leeway, but they were also like you know, don't go out too often, make sure you get your schoolwork done. Because I was known to just, like, a lot has changed from then till now. Like, then I was just dilly-dally and, like, staring into space a lot of the time. But now I'm, I'm much more serious about school. Like, right now I'm in school for art therapy. So, yeah, in the next three years, I hope to graduate and be a psychotherapist and an art therapist and really do more than just teach like I love teaching but psychotherapy would be amazing because to have meaningful conversations with people and have like have them share their story with me and really make an impact in someone's life like to do that with hundreds of people would be phenomenal like just to know that in your life you made this impact and that was your job so a lot has changed <laughs> well, that's that's the whole journey though right we all supposed we're all supposed to change and evolve throughout life you know so yeah. we're in we're in we're in our teen years what's that like is, is uh does mom and dad give you like a, a talk about like what to expect when you get to high school like what to expect about boys girls because i know down south they give you the boy the what's the birds and the bees talk i wonder <laughs> what's it like in toronto i don't know if that ever happens with me to be honest penguins in the polar but no <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think that ever happened. It was kind of like, I think I once brought like a boyfriend home and my parents were like, are you careful? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then that was like the whole conversation. Um, no, no, they, they, they uh, obviously told me even just that, but uh, yeah. Well, some people have like an awkward phase. Like I remember when I started high school, it was more like refreshing because my dad, we moved around the world a lot. So when we finally got to Japan, I was with a whole bunch of people who moved around just like me. So we felt like it was like a safe haven. Like, so how did you feel like going to high school? Did you feel like this is my spot? I feel good. I have my group of friends. Like some people, did you feel like what group were you in? Were you the popular gal in school? the cool artists that everybody wanted work done <laughs> I think I was just the girl that floated around like I was I kind of meshed into whichever group I was around yeah um sometimes I had closer friends than others but I was I was really friendly and to this day I'm very friendly and it's just nice it's nice to know that that's I'm not necessarily like attached to an idea of how I should be, you know, around people. I think it's the most important thing is to be yourself and know that 
you know, yourself is your, is the best that you can do. And it's, it's the most amazing thing you can give because it's how God created you. And I just remember in grade nine, uh, people weren't speaking so nicely about me, like behind my back. And I was like, what the hell? Like, why would, why would people do it's because they're like teenagers. They don't, they don't know what to do, what else to do with their time. And, and some of them are insecure. So they talk about other people. Um, and I think that kind of taught me to really not care about specifically attaching myself to any group and know that everyone is up for their, has their own prerogative of what they say. And I'll say what I say, they say what they say, but you know, all I care about is being a good person and spreading happiness and joy and i like surrounding myself with people like that so. that's amazing you knew that at such a young age thank you i i just always liked making people laugh i know that's your job so <laughs> i think you can teach me a few things <laughs> but i think everybody's um, naturally funny you know everyone has a everyone can be funny in conversation and that's like an icebreaker you know i think i had to be funny because i moved around a lot so like sometimes breaking that ice with somebody be a whole lot better to be like okay i'm only going to be here for like three years so i need to make friends really fast fastest way is to be friendly or make somebody laugh you know yeah i always i always used to love just like going to a party and then there would be moments of silence and then i would just crack a joke and everyone would start laughing and then like for some reason in that moment i don't know if you probably experienced this but you would i would crack a joke and then that would get my like adrenaline going and then i would just consistently crack like seven more jokes or something people be like oh you're so funny i'm just like i don't know that just came out of nowhere i'm just a human <laughs> being <laughs> do you um so as you as you're in high school and you're figuring things out do you play a sport a sports big where you are did you choose a sport um, I like leading anything that like that you like. I like to think that I don't have two left feet, um, but I do. So, <laughs> no, no, I did not. Um, I think I wanted to try out for volleyball, but the summer before, I went to on vacation to a resort with my family, and I uh, tried volleyball, and the whole time people from around the world. Like there was one family from Germany, one from Canada, I think one from the US. They were all teaching me how to play while our team was losing because I literally <laughs> could not hit the ball. Like I could, like I missed it every time. I don't know if my eyes don't connect, like don't see my hands. Like, I don't know where's the, where's the disconnect there, but it seems like my eyes only see like here. Then, then. Well, well, what was like, a Friday night, like in high school, like a Friday nights. Have you heard of Friday night lights? Have you heard of that phrase before? Uh, no. The, like going out on Friday nights and stuff. Friday night lights is a. They made it into a TV show, but Friday nights in like the states is very big because that's when there's like the high school football games. So everybody in the town will go to these games. Everyone play football. So I wonder what was that gathering that everyone did in Toronto. So. Friday nights, I don't know. And I was in my own world. <laughs> um, I guess I would sometimes be with friends, but Friday nights were, I don't know, like in high school, I think 
until even in, you know, I think in university a bit, Friday nights were about family because we would have like um, Shabbat dinners every Friday nights. Yeah. My grandpa would come and we'd all just eat together. My mom would make like a big meal. Then you start singing. Baruch yeah that's how i know you're from florida um <laughs> hey I, was, I lived with israel for like four months really yeah i lived in mcdella hammock inside the north part of israel nazareth elite i lived in tel aviv yeah i was there i did shabbat in a kibbutz wow what did you what did you think i enjoyed myself uh tel aviv looks just like miami florida I've always wanted to go to Miami, so I'm glad I was Somebody in Miami. Like, looks like Miami, and when I was there, like my school, I, I teach kindergarten when I'm not doing stand-up, and uh, they sent me out there to like learn, we're like teaching kids English and stuff, and next thing you know it, I stayed out there for like another month, and then I met like all these Israelis, and we had a good time, but I remember that everyone was like curious about my perspective, and I was like, oh, this looks just like Florida. Then we like lived on a farm, we met all these different people, and then we went to, uh, what was it? And then I crossed over to Bethlehem. I saw everything. But yeah, Shabbat. I know a lot of Hebrew. A lot of Hebrew. You should teach me. Um, I've been trying to learn. <laughs> so. Again, that means yes. <laughs> Maybe you don't know. Again, <laughs> that means yes. So, okay, so what's it like? So is is it a big Jewish community in Toronto where you are? Do you think you're- Oh, yeah. Because I noticed that a lot of, would I say, would your parents be considered secular or religious Jewish people? I think we're we're definitely all like more secular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is, there is a big Jewish community in Toronto. Like it's like, I see it as like Israel, um, I mean, I know there's like a prominent, there's a very prominent Jewish community in America, New York, you know, obviously like Brooklyn. Um, I know California, LA area. Florida too. Toronto, Florida. Yeah, a lot of people retire there. <laughs> so um, yeah, we just dispersed. Did your, did your family like leave Russia because of what was going on? Because I feel like no one ever talks about how Russia did like their job of pushing like Jewish people out of their country too, right? They did a lot that no one yeah. really talks about. Russia Stalin did a lot of damage to like the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Stalin killed millions of people. 20 million, right? Yes, yes, millions and millions. And people, I just like saying millions because I, I know that there's probably bodies that just haven't, you know, we, we don't know that they exist. Um, same with if you think about the holocaust we don't actually know how many people right mm-hmm. yeah he was a terrible person um they they did terrible things yeah and and um my grandfather did not have an easy time there he actually escaped during when world war ii he's actually he was actually alive during wow. world war ii so he escaped uh Belarusia to live in siberia during that time and then they moved to riga in latvia um and even in latvia like 
my family did experience anti-Semitism, like anti-Semitism is still alive to this day. I think it's very unfortunate that, you know, anti-Semitism, racism, all of that is like just very prominent. And um, yeah, it was very, uh, like I remember my mom told me when she was 10 years old, she lived in Uzbekistan, in Tashkent, the main city. So this was actually part of the Soviet Union at the time. Now it's just its own, um, it's part of all the stunts. But basically when she was 10 years old, there was this classmate of hers that got stabbed in the washroom for being Jewish, a 10, a 10 years old. And like those kind of things weren't, you know, that uncommon, right? Uh, But that was a big reason why my family left. And, you know, I only hope things have gotten better there. I'm not there, (laughs) but I I hope. Did you ever wonder why your grandparents didn't migrate to Israel? Like when it was an established state? Or did you ever wonder why they went to Canada instead? Mm. Because a big Russian community yeah. of Russian Jewish people, excuse me, that live in yeah. Israel, right? That migrated it's, there. It's massive. So my parents went to, for my dad's side, they went to uh, Latva first. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandparents from that side, just because, I don't know. I don't think Israel was ever, I don't know why Israel wasn't considered. Um Actually, this was, sorry, I think they actually moved to Latvia before Israel even existed, now that I think about it. I need to, I need to think about that. What year (laughs) did my grandfather move there? I actually don't know. I know he didn't live in Siberia for for very long. So I don't know if it was before the existence or after. Um, But having that sense of culture of knowing like where you're from and where your family's from, it's like a sense of pride of being Jewish, right? Like knowing who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a sense of pride, I think. I think every culture has that, you know, having knowing, you know, your roots is just is important. Especially because let's say if you want to advocate, the biggest advocate you could be is for yourself. So why not also be an advocate for your community? It's easier to be an advocate. Um for something that you know so well, that you, like, you grew up with, right, so it's like, oh, I grew up with this, like, people are more likely to listen to me than, like, I don't know, somebody who um, grew up with a different story, does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, well, I got a question, like, seeing this anti-Semitism, did you ever, were fearful of it, like, have you ever went to a place where you thought Maybe I should not let people know I'm Jewish or you had no problem wearing the Star of David? Like so I- that's such a good question. Sorry, I didn't think I interrupted. Um, so I actually went to York University for a year. Have you heard of this university? Yorktown. Uh, no, it's York University. It's in uh, Toronto. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, no, I don't. Where's Yorktown? I don't know. I just heard of <laughs> Yorktown is, but yeah. I've heard of it in like history books. 
Uh, oh, interesting. No, York University uh, is actually a university um, nearby where I live, and they have been getting just more and more um, anti-Israel over the past few years. And Colleges? Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, actually, University of Toronto passed a bill, I believe, that didn't, doesn't allow people, like, uh, it's the Scarborough campus, I believe, it doesn't allow food to be catered from places that support Israel. So that just means no kosher food on campus, because how do you find, you know, it's like saying you want to, you, you can order Caribbean food, but it has to be from, from a restaurant that doesn't support the Caribbean, like it doesn't really makes sense so that's right now you can't really have kosher food on on campus at that location um so there was something else that happened though at university of york university over the years they just they just grew more and more anti-semitic and at one point they had like israeli soldiers come and visit and they had posters up around the school and then that day when they were going to plan to visit there was a massive you know, riot and fight that happened across, the, like in the school, in the main hall. Oh, and people yeah. were punching other people. Wow. Yeah. Well, so how do you um, feel about this? Like when you're there, are you, because the thing about some Jewish people, you can't really tell if they're Jewish. I don't think only Jewish people can spot out other Jewish people. <laughs> but black people are easy to spot out, you know? So like, I mean, like Ethiopian Jewish people and I'm, they're talking, you know, like when I was in Israel, they're like, oh, you're Ethiopian Jewish, right? I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just a Floridian, man. That's all I am. I'm just a Southerner. But like, it's a, it's a, it's a sense of pride. Like I remember when I went to Israel, they were like, uh, like I was just like, you know, I was, you know, that's where Jesus was. So I was like, yeah. So like, do you want to do a bar mitzvah? I was like, yeah, why not? They're like, really? I was like, yeah, Jesus did it. I'll do it. Sign me up. So we read out the Torah, like the golden finger. You can't touch the Torah because it's like ancient and stuff like that. So the reading, like how the language has been like carried on from generations to generations and like mixing and stuff like being in canada i think no one talks about the canadian side of it like did you feel like it's not safe for you did you ever feel like that growing up um or just I, always in your head that like hey some people don't like my people i think it's more the second one because i would constantly like read news you know some people would like you know graffiti swastikas around toronto I would hear about that instance in New York where it was all over the subway. Um, I would hear about attacks. Attacks happen in New York very often, actually, against Jews. So I would like read about that. Um, sometimes there would be attacks in Toronto, not very often. Um, I would hear, I would read about France. There's a lot of that in France. Um, and just I would know the history. And then I think the only time that I felt uncomfortable was sometimes when I would walk in that campus. Like, I wouldn't feel so comfortable. Like, should I be telling someone that I'm Jewish? You know what I mean? Um, but Oops. yeah, I, in terms of anti-Semitism anti towards me, I think it's only happened a couple of times and it was just weird. Like, <laughs> like someone who I worked with, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I'm listening. Okay, <laughs> someone <laughs> who I worked with, I worked at a restaurant and uh, this woman just came up to me. She's like, are you Jewish? And I was like, yeah, my like coworker. I'm like, yes. And she's like, oh, I don't like Jews. And then she just walked away. I was like, what? 
<laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> you just you look at a group of people and you're like, I don't like you. I don't know why, but like, I don't. So <laughs> that was your coworker. Yeah, I was like, how smart are you to tell me this? Like, you want me to go to the manager? Like, I don't understand. Did you ever find people making like Jewish jokes and you didn't like them? I think it's important to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember ever not liking a joke. Um, well, Christianity is different because we're raised that like the Jewish people are the chosen people. So you better be nice to those Jewish people. They're the chosen people, you know? That's so nice. Yeah, that's so interesting because I have met um, a lot of Christians that think that way. And hearing that you went through a bar mitzvah is so interesting to me. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I um. so I met, so when I go to any country, my goal is to like learn, try to learn the language, be immersed with the people and just like don't be an American, even though they could spot us out because, you know, that, you know, our beards and stuff like that. So I went there and I met all these, I met this Hasidic couple and uh, we met on the bus and then they're like, come to our house. We're like, what? Because they told me like, Jared, don't talk to them. I was like, they're, I was like, they're looking at me. I'm pretty sure they're interested in my life and seeing who I am. So I'm asking them, what's it like? You know, what's it like living there? And this lady asked her about like, they said that he told me that the Americans are coming to Israel and telling some of the women like you shouldn't take care of a man you know what i mean like they're like start a revolution and this woman she gave me a very interesting perspective about it she goes i am orthodox and she goes i cover my hair because when i got married my hair belonged to my husband and she's all like i cover my body because i don't want anyone lusting for me but my husband and she goes like that so i'm with this other black dude and he goes really that's what it means to be orthodox she goes yeah he goes, do y'all got a pamphlet or something like that? Because my girlfriend needs a joy. And then they all started laughing. And we like spent like three hours on the trip. So I'm always like asking around. So they're like, we're doing bar mitzvahs because a lot of people were going to Israel for the first time and they were Jewish and they never got bar mitzvahs. So they're crying and stuff. And then the guy who was like the CEO goes, Joe, you want one? I was like, yeah. I was like, can I get one? They go, yeah. You want one? I was like, yeah, Jesus did it. Let me do it. Sign me up. Then I got baptized in like the Sea of Galilee, like the Jordan River. <laughs> <laughs> I like the contrast there. Yeah, I did. I got baptized in the Jordan River. But like I always oh, I went to uh, tubing there. <laughs> just like when you're an American, it's just like we have a privilege of being a third world power, you know? So sometimes we're not, we only listen from our ears. So when I lived in the Netherlands, I met all these people who were from these Middle Eastern countries. And I remember when the Iraqi war was about to start, this guy looked at me and he goes, why do you think this war should happen? And I was like, I was very like right wing, you know, being an American, being in a different country, so it's pro-American. And then he showed me this documentary about like all these, all these uh, Iraqis and they're just like, there's no weapons here. And I'm like, wow. And he goes, so what are you guys bringing war here for? So like, it was uh, an eye awakening moment, like, seeing an American from another person's eyes. So I realized every country I went to, I wanted to just be immersed with the culture and learn a lot. So, and you know, when you're in the middle, you're in the middle. So like when people are fighting and stuff like that, I was like, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just here to learn and listen. You know, I think there's a lot of history there. And you know, sometimes when it's history, like thousands of year history, like the world has started there. I don't know if it, I don't know what side is gonna come to an agreement, but you know, you can only pray for peace, you know?
but I went to the Dome of the Rock, I went to the Western Wall, I went everywhere, and I met all these friends, stayed in their houses, stayed in their apartments, met all these Israeli comedians, and we hung out, then I went over to Bethlehem and met Palestinian comedians, and we all just had a good time and all bonded. That's but amazing, I love that. I think it's just like when you're a black person, you know, we were always, sometimes like this, like, you're, like every race around the world has a subclass, and the subclass are always the darkest people. So like, I would get, whatever perspective, then I see like black people from their country, they would tell me like, oh, this is what we're going through. So it was like a, a bond, you know? And I think it was like during the 60s when Martin Luther King was marching, like the when they went to Mississippi or Alabama, when they got beat up on the bridge, there was all these Jewish people who were marching. And when they saw the white people getting beat on TV, that's when the president had to intervene. It's like, we can't be beating up white people on TV. But it took like a lot of like Jewish priests that are, are rabbis, rabbis that were marching and everything else. So it's just like struggle, understand struggle. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did read about that, about how that was. There's a lot of like Jewish people that were inside like the civil rights. They were marching for like black people and stuff like that. Yeah, we were working together. It's just like, you know, if you're, I think there's, you know, when you're a black American, it's a privilege being American. You know, like when I'm around, they think I have money. They think, uh, you know, we're we're different people. We have a we have a blue passport, but like in this country, just how you have that thought about like, are these people anti-Semitic in this country? I was like, is this person a racist? You know, that's the one thing I love about being from the South is like everybody's so open about who they are. You know, like I can look at a person's eyes and realize you don't like me, but in New York, you don't know anything because everyone's separated by like towns. Jewish people live over here, black people live over here, Hispanic people live over here. So you really can't tell. It's like systematic racism. Like you can't tell, is this person being nice to me because they have to, or this person really doesn't like my people, you know? And I think that was the only good thing about the pandemic is that for like maybe three months, people cared about what was happening to black people. Because like what happened to George Floyd, I can't tell you how many times I've been pulled over by police. I can't tell you how many times a cop has like berated me in front of my friends and my dad teaching me at 12 how to put my hands on 10 and 2, not to argue with a police officer, how to shut my mouth and everything else. That literally saved me from situations that I probably could have got hurt at. So like when I go to other countries, I'm just like, look, I know what it's like to be persecuted. So I'm not here to persecute anyone. I'm just here to understand how you guys live and how you guys have a different perspective. So it's, it's, it's very different. And, you know, sometimes I could be in the crowd and I could see a guy not like me because I don't want to hear what this black dude has to say. I could read it in his eyes. Like last night, this guy was just arms folded, everything else. And then when I spoke to him, I found out where he was from and we had one connection and he finally started laughing. And I was like, this guy just hates me. And I'm trying to figure out where he's from. He's like, I'm from this part of town. I was like, okay, so I need to think in my mind, mind of bouncing all over the world, find a way to do that. And that's just living in the South. In the South, we found a way to, even if you're a Trump supporter, you're still a person, you know? And I think sometimes in New York, it's just like, they're so left-wing that if anybody's right, they don't even want to talk to you because they feel like you're there. I was like, no, I can find a way to meet in the middle. So I'm just always that person about just like love. Like, we're only on this earth for so long. Like, why spend it hating somebody? I agree. I can't agree. You know, the freak. That's why I love this podcast. I love just meeting people, listening to their perspective. You know, we have like Jewish people from Israel, but like you're from Canada. So it's completely different because the Jewish people that we know from Canada is just Seth Rogen. 
That's funny. Yeah. Well, I love him. And Drake too. <clears throat> okay. And so, Justin Bieber. <clears throat> MB oh Bieber's Jewish too. No, I think I'm mean just people from Canada. Oh right, sorry. Drake <laughs> is Jewish. Seth Rogan's Jewish. Yeah. Okay, so we're in high school. Do you go to prom? Do you have a boyfriend in high school? Do you ever have like a or do your parents encourage you to like to date somebody Jewish or your parents don't care? Um well I first of all I wanted to tell you I'm sorry that you had such an experience as a child and growing up. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I just wanted we to talk get about it all the see. time. Yeah. This yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to move on. <laughs> um okay. Um I will I will change the subject if you would like. No, it's about you. That's the thing, is your you know, <laughs> it's about it's about you. This podcast is about I you. like well, I like the idea of having a dialogue, you know. Yeah, yeah, we could do yeah. that as well. Yeah, I'll learn about you, you learn about me, we'll have a fun conversation. Thanks. Um, yeah. In uh, prom, yeah, I went to prom Ooh. with uh, my boyfriend at the time. We dated for two whole months. It was really serious. Um, I thought up? I was going to marry him. What did <laughs> you tell me? How, did that, what, how was it like when you guys started? Was that your first boyfriend ever? My first boyfriend, yes. Yes. Ooh, what's his name? Uh, his name was Daniel. What stuck out yes. about Daniel that caught your attention? Um, I don't know, because I feel like I just didn't have a sense of self at 17. You know, I feel like it was like, I don't, maybe it was a mix of like, my not knowing what I wanted in a partner and also like maybe a, a lack of self-esteem because I assume I mean I don't really remember well if I had much because I was 17 I assume when you're a teenager you don't have that much I don't think I did um well, I think Gen Z now they have a, a whole lot of self-esteem they're very aware maybe of too much they... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I agree I, yeah, I don't know what stuck out to me. I just like, I guess, tall Jewish boys. Oh, he was Jewish too. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually did once date a German guy. Oh, <laughs> Interestingly enough. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just thought he liked me. I liked him. I thought he was smart. I've always, you know, thought, I think the number the two main things I've always find found like common when I, when I date somebody is uh, they have to be funny and they have to be smart. And really? I think you, uh, I think you met my boyfriend actually. I think I did too. He was with you at the show. Yeah. Yeah. So he has both of those. <laughs> that was your boyfriend since high school. No, no. <laughs> I was just thinking about, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's going to like listen to this and I'm going to talk about all my exes on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not mention it once so i'm like i should just i should just throw that in there now um yeah no so i don't know what we ended up going to prom he like this this guy I was with daniel uh he broke up with me like a week later it was it was really funny the line he used he was like i need to expand my horizons what does that even mean? Like, where are your horizons? Are you God? Do you make the horizon? Where is it? 
which horizon and that was a nice how are you going to expand it? Yeah. I was like, what is, what does that mean? And then, <laughs> yeah, ended up, didn't end up working out. I was so heartbroken. I'm not joking. <laughs> no, I believe it. 17 year old heartbreak is the worst heartbreak. And I didn't like looking back, I'm like, how many brain cells did I have that I would have, I was heartbroken over this person. Like, I don't understand. I think it's just this idea of the first um, relationship in your head. And like, you have all these ideas from like movies and TV and maybe just like you have this idea of them and then settling when it doesn't work. It's like the end of the world when it's such a contrast. Now I'm looking at like my steady, healthy relationship versus me being upset over this random guy <laughs> that I dated for two months when I was 17. It doesn't make sense in my brain. Well, what was prom like? Was it, a, was it, a, was it amazing? Was it the best time of your life that time? Did it, or was it a, cause everybody remembers prom, you know? It was a blast. It was so much fun. They played like all the throwbacks, which I loved. Um, I think at one point I was like on someone's shoulders dancing. <laughs> yeah. So you and him break up and then do you do your 13th year in school? Mm. Or do you go straight to college? So I wanted to tell you, actually, that 13th year was omitted, I think, 15 years ago or long, maybe even 20 years ago. Like my my dad did a 13th year. Um, actually, no, I think he skipped that year because he, he like did advanced classes when he immigrated here. I graduated um, in 2006. And I remember they were doing it in 2006, seven. When did you graduate high school? So I'm 25. So you graduated 2012? I'm trying. <laughs> I thought you would be better at math than me. I was like, you I'm not going to this off my head. 2000. Um, no, you graduated high school in 2012. Yeah, 13, 12. 16. Yes, yes. Because right after high school, I went. I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah, 2012, actually. You're right. You're yeah. Right. So graduate high school, do you take a year off or do you go straight to college? So I have Jewish parents. Yes. I hope that answers your question. I went to university. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I went to university um, for visual arts because I didn't know what else to take. And I started painting and drawing. And I was like, wow, I am learning everything that I can learn from YouTube here and spending $10,000 of you know, I'm gratefully not, not my money, but now I am spending money for school. But, you know, my parents, they, they saved up money since I was a kid, thankfully. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. This is money that's like being wasted. I had to schlep like massive canvases, like 36 inches by 36 inches on the bus to get to class so that I could paint in class and then bring it back home. Like it was such a, it was ridiculous. Um, so what I, did you all right what what would you say was the benefit of what you learned from a teacher than valid than youtube do you really think that you can if you're an artist you can learn through youtube or do you really think that some teacher and profession taught you something that youtube cannot teach you so i actually have had a few teachers and colleagues and like you know artists that i've met over the years that have taught me so much more really as just 
you know, one-time classes or just teaching me here and there, or just being like a friend, then I've learned in that one year of art school. And I've spoken to people who have graduated from that program and graduated or graduated from like actual like art schools. And it's all the same problem. They kind of teach you what you should be painting and they try to tell you to like navigate away from, you know, self-expression and rather, I mean, from my understanding, this is, this is my own point of view. It just felt like it wasn't about self-expression. It was more like about this is how the world is now. And this is the, the arts that, you know, we like as a collective, as an institution. And this is probably what would be good for you to paint when I've spoken to other artists who have been to school and they're like, I painted realism or I painted things how I saw them as an artist would, but those weren't what was marked well. Those weren't the things that people wanted to see. So if you search art tutorials on YouTube, you will find thousands and like informative ones. You can find very informative ones. And even so, you could probably take like one of those um, masterclass courses, but yeah, institutions are kind of going in a weird, weird direction right now. It's really like a social experiment, right? Yeah. What a way to get somebody in debt. Would you say that as an artist, do you feel like your creativity was challenged or do you think it was limited at school? Um, well, I think both because I was told what to paint sometimes. And other times I was told, you know, paint a self-portrait. And then it, it was like free for all. Well, how are you um, even graded? How do you grade art? That's such a good question. I can't even answer it. I just. What is an F? What is an F? I think if you give clear instructions on a project, right? You say, this is what I need you to do. And the person, you know, this person, they have been after maybe a month of teaching them, after a year of teaching them, you know what their skill level is at, you know what's their best and you know what's their worst. At least I hope you do. Um, so then you see their finished product and you know, you can see when they put time and when they didn't right. into their work and into that project. And if they followed the clear instructions, but I don't know about an F, like I don't, I would never even F, F just like art is, isn't art open to interpretation, right? Yes. Like with stand-up comedy, like I can, I know what a great is. I yes. know a bad set when I hear it. I know everything else. But with art, it's interpretation, right? It's how you, how you see it, you know? So when I go to some art galas, maybe I don't get it. But that gala could be worth, you know, a million dollars. Honestly, I see what you mean. But you're talking about societal arts you know what i mean you're talking about arts that was commissioned and put into a museum i'm talking about the arts that private schools like art private art schools um teach where you learn the fundamentals you learn how to use a pencil to paper you learn the shapes you learn how to shade um you learn how to create a portrait how to create a face how to color match how to color mix color theory um 
those are like, actually, you'll get clear instructions. They tell you what to do. You do that and you practice that same thing every day, like running. Um, but a person who does not, is not artistic, can they learn to be an artist through school? Do you think that's absolutely. possible? Absolutely. Yeah. There's this weird like pressure around arts that like, oh my God, I can't really draw a stick person. So many people say that. It's like, it's like me saying, you know, you could probably lift 30 pounds uh, to somebody who's never lifted in their life. And they could be like, what, what the heck? No, I can't. Well, if you start with like one, you'll eventually get better. But obviously some people are more inclined than others. This is, this is a fact, but you can learn. What's it like Our being an art teacher? What's it like being an art teacher now? Um, you grade art. So I don't actually, this is a good question. I don't actually grade arts. Like I, um, my students are generally like, it's like um four week or six week kind of course. You know what I mean? And then by the end of it, I'm like, okay, well, you did a really good job. This is what you did. Um, this is where I could say you could improve and stuff like that. I don't necessarily grade. Like you said, it's very weird <laughs> to create arts. If I was like a high school teacher, you know, then that would be necessary or a university teacher. Okay, so we're in college, right? We're we're going through the system. Do you understand like, man, I can just go on YouTube and do all this. Does that create a, little, a level of frustration or do you realize like, oh, this is just a system that I'm in? So I just realized it's a system that I'm in and that's why I left. I went to school for something else actually after that. Go to go. Um, I graduated from recreation therapy. Oh, wow. Thank you. And then I worked for uh, almost two years, kind of just like figuring out myself, marketing for a mental health organization. And then I left and um, while I was marketing for a mental health organization, I was doing like these big chalk murals on uh, kids' driveways that experience illness with this organization called High Lifeline. And that was so rewarding and such a good time. And I was doing like in-person classes with them and like on Zoom classes with them. And I think going back to what you said about grading arts, I think the main um, focus for me as a teacher is knowing that the child or the adult or the senior, whoever I'm teaching, um, knows that they worked hard towards their goals and that they're proud of them in the end. Wow. And that I could see that in their work. Um, yeah. And now I'm on to new things. I'm studying arts therapy now, so excited to see where that goes. Would you say that inside college, did you have a good, uh, how did you change as a person, like socially? Oh, college. Um, okay, so let me rephrase this. In the U.S., college is university here. Yes. I, um, college in Canada is, I think, what you would call community college oh so you weren't in a dorm or anything no 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 really? i lived very close to home I'm, i mean sorry i lived i lived at home i oh. went to school very close to home um yeah i had a great i had a great experience with like meeting people 
in terms of the schooling at my college, it was, it was really nice just, you know, meeting other people who want to give back to the community and want to, you know, work in healthcare or help other people in a certain way and kind of rec recreation therapy is kind of like a mix between activities planning and like, and like coaching, if that makes sense. In a life coach. Um, not really, because a lot of the time, I mean, it depends. It depends. A lot of the time you end up working with people who have dementia or like, um, uh, people within the spectrum and there is, there's an aspect of life coaching, but I think it's more just coaching daily life skills and teaching them how to have hobbies and how to find meaning in their life. It's like, you're like that really important middleman between a personal support worker that just bathes someone right. and a nurse that gives the medication and feeds the person. You're the person that actually gives that like patient or clients like a meaningful life. Because what are you doing if you're just sitting there and eating all day, right? So you're giving them the opportunity to play sports or paint and stuff like that. So that's really nice. <laughs> I'm on a tangent. You asked me a different question, I think. No, no, no. You got it. We're talking about, you went back into recreation. So we graduate college, right? You start your mm -hmm. first job. How do you, so what makes you say, like, let's go back into art? How do you I leave felt like, therapy? like sorry, I missed what was you said. Something pulling you back to art? Did you feel like this isn't what I want to do anymore? Well, the whole time I was studying other things or doing other things, I was always teaching art classes on the side, selling my work on the side, painting on the side. So it was always something that I knew I would never let go of. And I just think that life is short. And if I just didn't go into the field, I would regret it. And um, I realized that marketing, just like, just marketing wasn't for me. I see how marketing my own business could be something beneficial, is obviously something beneficial. But I think I wanted to really make an impact, like to do therapy for other people and to incorporate arts into therapy is like just mixing two passions together. Because I love people. I love I'm really passionate about mental health and I'm passionate about art. So, so you're really combining your first job and your new job together, recreational therapy, <laughs> mix of art, really. So you really didn't leave. You're just taking two things that you have experienced and you're combining them together. Yeah, I think life kind of uh, played out well for me in that way. So like if you're doing art therapy, what would be an example of someone going to art therapy? Like someone getting in a car crash and they have to learn how to use their hand again. Would that be considered art therapy? So that is also considered art therapy. I actually worked, I had one of my placements actually um, at a community help center with March of Dimes. March of Dimes is a not oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I don't have to explain. <laughs> um, and they had this uh, day program for people with aphasia and apraxia, so people who experienced a stroke mm -hmm. in some way. Um, and it was one of the best placements I ever had. Like, it's just, it's both beautiful and heartbreaking to see people who had a whole life before they experienced a stroke 
And the fact that they had this community of other people that experienced a similar thing and they worked together and they learned together again and they walked together again, um, it was really beautiful. And I had a great opportunity to do an art therapy session with them and they did like self portraits and they were just so, some of them were so proud of themselves. It was just, it was really nice to see. And um, when you do have a stroke, one of your arms or one half of your body sometimes doesn't work afterwards. Right. If, it depends how early you detect it, right? So that was very relevant. Yeah. I got a question. So as you're going and you're finding your passion now, what does dad and mom say? Are they very supportive of you exploring and finding yourself? Or, and what's their relationship with your brother? What's he like? Do you guys get so, closer? Are you guys like very close? Or what type of relationship do you have with him? Let's do parents first, then brother. Okay, just have some tea. Um, my parents, my dad has always said since I was, since I was thinking I want to be an artist, and I think that was when I was six, <laughs> um, he always said to find a job that you love because you will be spending your whole life working. So you should at least like what you do, um, which was which was a really nice thing to hear. I was kind of lost for a while. And I didn't know what to do, but I'm glad I kind of figured it out, I hope. <laughs> um, I feel really confident about the trajectory I'm at right now and to be an art therapist and, and to continue to just sell my work and, you know, build build a brand around, you know, mental health and art um and my mom she always said like just do what makes you happy just as long as it you know pays the bills um <laughs> obviously and you know i'm very loving family so i'm grateful for that and my brother him and i talk on occasion and actually right now it's funny they mention that i'm helping him out with um uh, company that he works for he has a big part in it it's called chain champs mm -hmm. and uh, he i think he has a share in it and it's it's a new it's a new up starting sorry i don't know why i'm stuttering it's a new company starting up it's an nft sales oh, uh, wow. company so basically i don't know if you heard about the wax blockchain but it's this uh blockchain of cryptocurrency that's only used for nfts and it's better for the environment it has the most sales going in and out every day millions i think it's like 20 million now um 20 or 200 <laughs> but uh yeah so i'm helping him out with that with the marketing for them and it's amazing i think right now they're like number five or number six in terms of nft trading on the wax blockchain and I hope to sell my own NFTs one day. So I'm looking more into that. And my boyfriend also, he also does uh, artwork and he wants to as well. So it just seems like everywhere I go, there's this value around art. Even if it's like in this new internet age or in real life or with actual clients face-to-face -face or online, it's, um, it's really nice. Uh, where do we meet the boyfriend at? 
Where do we meet him? Well, you met him in coming to the picture. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, where do you guys cross paths? How does that happen? Well, this is actually, uh, it's a funny story. Um, I met him in Israel. <laughs> were you guys on birthright or are you just in Israel? No, we were on a trip. It wasn't birthright. It was a different trip. I met him there. Um, we got along really well. We stayed friends afterwards. And then we started dating two years later. He actually took my art classes before we started dating. So. Uh, and you guys are both from Canada? That had to be destiny. That had to be destiny, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Which city were you guys in? Or you guys just did the whole trip together? The whole trip together it was like a, it was kind of like birthright, but it was an age, it was with this organization called Aish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noticed when I was there that all the girls were making Aliyah and they're getting married to all these Jewish soldiers, all these Israeli soldiers. <laughs> That's funny. Within like a month. I was like, what? She goes, I'm going to meet, I just met this guy. We're going to get married. I was like, we only been here a month. And like, yep, I'm signing up for Aliyah. And they was, they were just, I know the people that's been living there after that. They've been there for like five years. Oh my God. Yeah, my friend actually just made Aliyah. Yep, she's doing well. I think she moved there last week, actually. So we meet him. Then two years later, we start dating. What about him? Was that trip like amazing? Did you guys spend the time building the friendship? Or you could tell his intentions weren't to be in the friend zone. <laughs> this is a public podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um we hit it off <laughs> that's good we hit it off on the trip yeah yeah um yeah it was it was it was nice it was nice to have like a partner on that trip and then yeah there was always something like a really good connection between the two of us and i'm i'm glad we like i'm glad i stuck around and we were both like staying friends and stuff. So, yeah. Was it a friendship, stated friends, or you? He was waiting for something. Well, we didn't really start up as friends in the first place. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but took a break, then came back together. I guess, sort of, in a way. We just like stayed, we stayed friends, so, which was nice because he's really good company and, you know, it's very respectful. We're both respectful of our own, you know, boundaries and stuff like that. And then, yeah. What's his best quality that you enjoy? He can make any situation funny. Mm. Yeah, we actually both eventually want to try stand up. Like, you know, just at least once. Go to Yuck Yucks. Isn't there a comedy club in Toronto called Yuck Yucks? Yeah, there is. There is. A, um, Howie Mandel used to do sets there. Yuck Yucks. Or you can go to the Just for Last Festival and visit there. Go to uh, to Quebec. It's the biggest festival in the world. Go there. Yeah, I went there. I saw, I saw uh, a show there, actually. It was great. The Mecca. Okay. Now we've, we've got to who you are now, right? Rachel is an artist now studying to be, you're almost finished, right? You're almost finished of being art therapist, right? To oh, I just the started. 
Oh, how many more years do you have? Uh, so it's a 16 month program, but it takes three years to finish because of hours. Okay. Like client hours. So I have uh, 15 months of the program and yeah, three more years. <laughs> so. so this is the point of the podcast where we like finish your timeline and we come here. So these are the last, it's called these hilltop questions. You can answer it however you want, right? You can take as much long as you want. It's the way you answer them. You ready? Okay. Do you believe in God? I am a little bit frightened right now because right after you said that, my headphone said battery low. So yes, I believe in God. <laughs> it was a very like creepy sound. Um, <laughs> Who is your favorite um, person in the Torah? Hmm. Okay, let's backtrack. I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if I believe in God, but I, I think there might be a higher entity out there. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking me who my favorite person is in the Old Testament, it has to be Rachel. Oh. <laughs> just, just by default. When's the last time you had a nightmare? I think it was actually last week. What was that about? I wish I could remember. It was some anxiety dream. Next question. What's your biggest fear in life? Um, just letting life pass me by and not not creating an impact or doing what I just like what I want to do. Well, I like that. Doing what would make change in the world and what what would you know, expand my knowledge and make me proud of myself at the end of every day. Do you feel like you're making change now? I think a lot of change has happened recently. And I think I'm more adjusting at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think every time I do a reading or I get on a call with a client or I teach a class, I feel like I'm making a change, regardless of how small it is in that, in that uh, lake, but it makes, makes a ripple effect. So that's, that's good enough for me right now. When's the last time you had a panic attack? Wow. I think the last time was like a year and a half ago, maybe even two. What happened? Like the start of COVID, I think. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got locked down completely different, right? You guys, like, shut everyone out. Yeah, you're in, in Florida. It's a free-for-all, I believe. Um, in New York City. Yeah. New York was similar to Toronto when I visited, uh, but then they closed again. And now we're reopening everything, so there's a little bit more of... Um, well, I think that in New York, the news made it a whole lot worse than what it was. Because when people call me, like, are there dead bodies all over the place? I was like, what? They're like, how are you? Are you okay? It seems crazy. People are... But my friend who's a nurse told me it was wild in the hospital. But outside of the hospital, 
like in Harlem, like when I walk and everything else, there were people be like walking outside, but you can tell everybody was just scared. Everyone was scared to do everything. Well, okay. It's not something you can see. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're literally in a, we're in a, we're in a, what did you, we're like in a pandemic, like we're literally living through stuff that's going to be in history books. Yeah. You ready for the next one? Yes. Do you believe in soulmates? Did you say soulmates? Yep. Do you believe in soulmates? I believe that everyone has a partner on this earth that's more compatible with them, but I believe they can be found in different forms. Like I have a best friend and I think she's, she's also my soulmate. And I think when two souls connect, there could be multiple soulmates. Like, and it doesn't even have to be a person. It could be, you know, an animal, like if you get very close to your dog and you kind of, you see when you look into someone's eyes or even like an animal's eyes, you can see that I feel like you can see their soul. And I think there are certain connections that you have in your life that definitely are soulmates. This is the final question. I'm going to ask the same question over and over and over again. The whole goal is to go beyond the question. It's a question called, who are you, right? Like, if you ask me, who are you? I would say, Jared Waters, who are you? I would say, stand-up comic, who are you? Two-time wrestling champion. It's like the goal beyond of what your name is. That's the goal. So if you can't, if you stop, whenever you stop is when you stop. You don't have to get it all. You ready? Yeah. Who are you? I am an artist, a teacher. Oh, slow down. Who are you? I am a great friend. Who are you? Um, I am a strong person. Ooh. Who are you? They turned off. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, still good. <laughs> okay. On. I can't hear you. you. Can you speak? Who are you? Yes. Who are... <laughs> um, I am a future art therapist. Who are you? A business owner. Who are you? Um, a great daughter. Who are you? A smart human being. Who are you? How much can I be? I <laughs> it can go as short as you can. The goal is just to go beyond yourself. And this is the final question for you in this podcast. If someone had your story, right, and someone had a book, and you give it to your great great grandkids, and they open the book and it goes to the back, and they are reading like a zerp about you and summarizing you out. What do you want them to say at the end of your story? She was what? That's a great question. Say, my name is, and she was what? What do you want them to say? Um, do you want me to start it with my name is? Yeah, my name was, yeah. My oh, uh, my name was Rachel. I was a great daughter, a great mother, a great grandmother. Um, I did my very best to help people, help the world with their, with their mental health and help people learn how art can make an impact in their life and make an impact in so many other people's lives. 
And I did that through with many different um, avenues by selling my work, by, by doing therapy for other people, by motivating people to get up and start their day the way they want to and, and learn how to be them their best self. And I really made it an impact, whether it was at home with my family or with my friends or with clients or just people down the street. I was just kind to everyone I met. Well, thank you, madam. My name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast of my girl, Rachel. If you want to check out our artwork, we're going to put the link in the bio. What was your, uh, what was your website? The website is? Um, RachelKarenTayer.com. Well, thank you, madam. I truly appreciate it. This was amazing. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I, said, I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said, and I said uh-uh, and I'll be the next Jamar Neighbors. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.